Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Claire Mutimer. And I'm Susie Coulson. Welcome to The Backstory. In each episode, we'll be hearing about an experience that has happened to someone that's shaped who they are. 30 minutes that remind us that everyone's dealing with something. So we're a documentary podcast, a docupod. Except you made that word up. Welcome back to part two of Me, My Baby and Psychosis, Jess and Matt's story. Do listen to part one if you haven't already. We join them and their baby Albert on the way to the psychiatric care mother and baby unit at Homerton Hospital in London. It took them six hours to get out of the Norfolk and Norwich Hospital and into the car as Jess was suffering so badly with her psychosis. But finally, Jess, Matt and Albert were ready to drive through the night with the crisis team to the mother and baby unit. So we all made this sort of almost like pilgrimage to Hackney and it took a journey that would have taken two and two hours, two and a half hours, took six or seven hours. Uh, But the amount of stopping and starting that we were having to do managing Jessica and, and she was, you know, confined like an animal in the back of the car with me and... Albert, who was only like a week old. Yeah, I kept insisting on stops. And I, at one point as well, I just demanded like food. I was like, I'm not going anywhere until I've had a KFC. I was just like, I'm not doing anything until I've had a KFC. And remarkably, this is a weird thing. One arrived. I was starting to be a danger to myself and others. Like I nearly hit Matt at one stage. Uh, we, we we reached a certain point where the the two the crisis team people who were, were driving us there who were absolutely amazing. Um, we stopped at we stopped at a garage and and the guy pulled me aside and said, "Look, we're kind of we're kind of at last chance saloon here. If if we can't if we can't do this, then we're going to have to call the police and she's going to have to be sectioned." And have you ever had like um, PMT where it's really bad and you feel like you're being taken over by something yeah I have. <laughs> right it's like that but on like a mega scale right so that feeling that I get like if I've got PMT where I'm just like I feel like something's moving through me yeah and you're like Arr! saying things that I would not want to say yeah but like convinced that that is how I feel right yeah but it's not yeah and like three days after you've had PMT you'll be like wow that yeah. was really Why out was of I order feeling so strong about that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like it, that is a really clear, like, link to me. Of okay. That, that yeah. feeling. Yeah. You just, you have times it. And also where you want to, yeah. like, 
smash stuff. Right, yeah. It was like that feeling, that energy inside me of just like destruction. We were we were about an hour away and um, I knew that we were near my mum's house because she lives fairly near there. And, I, and um, they said, we've got to get you to a place of safety. And in my psychotic state, I was like, well, why can't I go to my mum's? Right, yeah. That's a place of safety. And they were like, no, we have to get you to a to the mother and baby unit. And I couldn't in my I couldn't get round how they were saying that that wasn't a place of safety. I was like if I could just get there and have a shower, something to eat and go to sleep, I'll be fine. You know? Yeah. Um but basically this was when I'd got really aggressive and nearly hit Matt. Uh, so Matt and one of the crisis team had to go out and I saw them talking. I it was going to really really get a million miles away from anything that I wanted to to happen and so that 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 was one of those times when it was just like boom look this is this is this is what's going to happen we need to do this and and somehow she managed to kind of fight through whatever it was to to make that connection and and do it and matt came back in the car and basically everything about his energy seemed really different and he just looked at me and he went they're running out of options this is your last chance and he like just looked right at me and said it and i was just like something in me was just like you cannot, you can't mess this up now. You have to do everything in your body and everything you can because you're going to get separated from your child. Right. And I was like, I, I can't, I have to be with my son because I was terrified if the police were called or if I got separated, I, I was genuinely terrified what I might do. Right, yeah. So Matt and I sat forehead to forehead looking into each other's eyes for the rest of the journey. Wow. Whispering to each other. Like, it was, like, so beautiful and so awful because I was terrified that it would, my body or my voice or something would let me down. Right. And would get me into trouble because I did, I wanted to get there, but the psychosis was doing everything to destroy me. Wow, my God. And so I was, like, living with this, um, it's like, like a film where you're living with the, the enemy yeah. inside yourself. It was it was doing anything, anything that I could really just to remain the object of her attention more than anything and just make her feel all right because she was just, you know, you could tell she was terrified Un underneath, underneath everything. She was completely, had, had been sort of taken over by this thing and, and didn't know what it was or, or why it was happening. And she was, she was just... Yeah, terrified. And I was too. Uh, and so it was just, it was just having found that moment of connection, just keeping on doing the next thing, doing the next thing, doing the next thing to, to keep her sort of calm and contained until we reached safety. And I just remember it was the early hours of the morning and I just saw the arch of the mother and baby unit and I was just like, oh, I've made it. The, the kind of dawn was breaking on this kind of new day and and we pulled into the car park and and three three of the nurses came out and sort of held Jess and took her in and and it really felt like we had made it at that point oh, you know I bet. um but i mean that was just the beginning of the next little bit you know but yeah for that moment oh it felt like we'd managed to at least get her there, you know. And a few hours of just real calm, real peace, and then backlash. And I was, like, thrown into another chapter of, of horror, basically. Oh, my days. Did you kind of know that you would get through it, or, like, did it feel like, actually, she might not come back as, as Jessica again? Yeah, or, like, what, was it, what were your thoughts? I think, I think emotionally, 
that was that was the most difficult thing i think not not knowing that we would come out of the other side because for for the, for for a good a good few days i really feel like jess was just gone you know like she was lost um some 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 something else was was there and and at that point like i say as much as people can say you know she'll get better um there's a difference between knowing that and knowing it you know yeah um so yeah that that was i th- i think that was probably the 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 toughest time that bit for those kind of couple of weeks after we had arrived at the unit where she was supposedly in the place that she was supposed to be and yet not 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 getting better quickly and so you, everybody has their own room there like tell tell me what yeah, it's like so it was like um i think they had eight or nine beds there at the time i was there i think they've subsequently got one or two more and um yeah you go in it and it's just like it's got like a living area um a little sensory room a kitchen um diner bit um and then all the rooms off the thing and then like the hub which is almost like um it's funny because at times it felt really lovely and at other times it felt like a prison right. depending on my state of yeah. mind um and i was on like one to one observation for for quite a long time right um and so the I, nurse was in the room with you all the time, or, or sitting outside, or right. they were they were with me all, all the time. But you d- I didn't realise that it was only when I started to get better I realised that I was being observed, and that's a weird moment, right? Because you're like, oh, they're watching me. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Because when you're so ill, you don't know, right? But when you start to get better, it's really freaky. For the first little while, it, it was it was kind of like, uh, you know, going going to visit was bittersweet because it was kind of steal yourself for it because it's it's going to be tough right I bet yeah do you get much support yourself in that kind of situation yeah again they're 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 brilliant the 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 staff the staff of the the mother and baby unit I just don't have high enough praise for them and they seem to uh, be able to take care of everyone with incredibly limited resources and but unending amounts of compassion and empathy um, I felt like there was a conspiracy not to feed me. I felt like my human rights were being violated. Now, it's interesting because, like, I can even see the funniness of it now. But when you actually genuinely think that people are starving you and not allowing you to wash is, like, the most horrific feeling that you feel. I felt like I was being, like, slowly tortured. Like, um, and, yeah, and it was interesting as well because then recovering as well it was like um understanding that I was doing that to myself was another layer of difficulty because it's almost like oh well they're doing it to me but then realizing that I was doing that to myself was really painful um I was resisting medication and actually I met a person in there who we called each other flatmates because she was lived next door to me so we were like we got a two-bed flat in Hackney and um she was what I called my psycho sister she I just remember her saying to me just do it like whatever medication they're giving to you because she'd come in a day or two earlier she was like just take it so we had amazing shared delusions we were like um we were on like this sort of they had like this committee meeting once a week or something to like talk to the patients and we got in there and we were like fully psychotic and we were like we demand pedicures and like a whole list of things that wasn't weren't being done right at the unit (laughs) you know so um yeah, we we basically uh, were ill together and recovered together, and she, we're still in contact now. And... and her husband was there, and we we talked a lot because they, especially as they started to get better as well, 
they were they were sort of very close in there and so it was it was lovely to maintain some sense of I mean normality is not quite the right word but you know that 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 time at the beginning of the uh, of your your new baby's life you know um and so there, there there were some there were some lovely times you know in there playing with the the new babies Did they keep the child in each room with each mother kind of thing yeah. all the time you again just depending on but you know the babies would often come out of the room at night because a lot of the problem with a lot of us was we weren't sleeping so um oh, it was really hard because i used to have to take my medication and then go to leave albert with someone oh, it was awful because it was like this little baby that I had to just hand him over because I was like too medicated to care for him and I could just hear him crying and I just oh. have to cry myself to sleep hearing and I'd like ring up Matt because obviously he'd just left but I'd phone him and I'd just be like what's the point in me what's the point in having a mum if I can't look after him and I can't be there for him and he's crying and I, I'm not looking after him and I had code names for all the staff so I had like um you know like a Mother Mary and Helen of Troy and I'd have all these names for them all um, and that was again part of me trying to manage what was going on but right. they were again like people that worked late and overtime and stayed with you and gave you that real really saw you and looked after you you know right yeah um, that that taught me more about humanity than anything else I've ever experienced because it was like that's what being a really that's what being a real human is actually that's what we've all got the capability to do and is there also an element of like that's you at your hardest to look after state mm. ever yeah like and you were looked after is there is it is it something like that about human nature that we you know that we do that you go somewhere but you you're brought back by humanity yeah like to go through that and have people that didn't know me like, they weren't doing mm. that because they were being paid to do it. Like, the overtime they must have put in. I mean, you can only imagine what must have happened in the past. I mean, like... Oh, yeah, because I it, would have been... I, I, I probably would have died in, an inst- in a mental asylum. You know, not that long ago, women would have just been locked away. Off. Yeah. Locked and actually, away. it's such a temporary thing, isn't it, if you get the right treatment? If, yeah. If, from what I, understand. I mean, it was three or four months, like three... I think I was in the mother and baby unit for about two or three months um, and gradually was allowed leave I mean that's again that's a whole nother story if you like because even getting to the stage where I had to work so hard to even get to the stage where I would be allowed out or the first times I went for a walk outside were so frightening you just can't you just it's too stimulating you know I oh I was gonna say I do remember being um told I could go out one time and I was just like determined that I wanted to go shopping and I wanted to go they were like, You mustn't go anywhere too stimulating and I I was like had in my head that I was desperate to go to Westfield shopping centre and they were like, Seriously, that's not a great idea. So I got out of the ward round and I just said to my mother in law and my husband, I was like, Well, we need breakfast anyway, even if we're not going shopping and I think we can all agree that the best place for breakfast is Westfield. <laughs> and did you feel nervous about coming home or or was she so much better that it was all right? Mm. No, definitely not. Like it, when 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 we arrived home, it definitely was not at the happy ever after stage. You know, um, she was well enough to be home, but I remember coming back into the house because I think by the time we got back there, we had lived in the or Jess had lived in the unit for longer than we'd lived in the house that we had just moved into right and so there was a real sense of dislocation and strangeness to it must be uh, when when we came back 
And so I think I think we were both terrified, to be honest. Again. <laughs> um, because very much apart from anything else, the the unit had given Jess a sense of safety over the, that previous few months, you know. And then suddenly to be out in the real world again, I think, you know, Jess's confidence had taken a huge knock um, about whether or not she could do that. Yeah, I bet. It was so weird. It was like coming back to a weird museum. Like it was like had that slightly cold, damp type feeling because it hadn't been lived in for like two months. We'd only moved into it. We'd been away then more than we'd lived in it. And then it was just kind of like, adjusting back to that and feeling really weird because then it was like community visits and having to explain things again every day almost because there wasn't much continuity then and then the medication like it, that that again that's a whole nother thing which is so easy to be like oh and then I got home and la, yeah. la, la. but no I was like on medication still and I was on this certain medication called quetiapine which I just hated because I, I had felt like I had like locked in syndrome at night I'd be like, I could hear Albert crying, but I couldn't move. Uh, it was awful. So I was just like, please take me off this. Because also I was on lithium as well. So I was having to go oh. for blood tests. And right. I, I, I realised that even this recovery, the recovery was a huge deal. Right, yeah. And needed to be taken very gently and very slowly. Is it the most challenging thing that you've ever been through? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um Completely. And it changed it changed me and of course it changed Jess irrevocably, really. Um it's definitely the single most difficult thing that I've done in my life ever. Um just because of the sheer number of things that you're having to deal with and the fact that it's the person that you love and seeing them go through this hell and and trying to like I say, trying to help, but in trying to help very often you make things worse. And so it's, it, it taught me patience, uh, in, in a, in a huge, huge way. Um, and it taught me, uh, to be better at choosing my reactions. <laughs> I mean, in, in the minutiae of the kind of the moments of it itself, you know, having, having to get to that point where I go, okay, this is, this is how I feel uh, that I want to respond to that but actually that's not helpful that's not going to work and and it's the ultimate kind of suck it up um thing because it, it's not uh the other but the other person isn't in a state to kind of manage their reaction right, right? yeah or their action you know yeah um so yeah it, it it's 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 a very very kind of pivotal formative moment in in my life I think that's amazing and did you did it have an impact on your mental health? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hugely. Um like I say at, at the time it's a thing that you you simply have no real choice but to get through. Um and so all of that time I was only only really worried about how Jess was. But yeah, sub- subsequently uh and and it's interesting the the symbolism of it because I I seem to remember that it started pretty much on the day that Jess came off her medication, so this right. is a good a good de- a good while later, 
um, she was she was taking lithium and again was determined that she didn't want to stay on it for longer than she needed to yeah and I, I feel like I feel like it was it was the day that she sort of finished her medication that I started feeling really really bad interesting um, and and went through a real real kind of hard time which was not at all just about the thing that I'd been through there um, but I think when you go through something like that it makes you question everything you know Jess was then able to help me through that you know so it was kind of tag team I always call um, Roxy a conversation that we had at the Playhouse bar because we were sat in the bar uh, this bar at the theatre um, one afternoon and I just said to Matt like um, I really think I really would love to have another baby um, I'd love Albert to have a, a brother or sister we were just like yeah do you know what let's let's go out. and because I said to to be honest bearing in mind me and psychosis had this face off I was just like ah oh, screw it if if psychosis is going to determine to me what I do is my life no chance so I was like look you know I'm gonna I'm gonna let should we just should we just go for it and we would the conclusion we both came to was yeah um so we spoke to the psychiatrist and we dealt a lot with them leading up to it and and Matt and myself we were both just like we don't want to medicate the risk of it because and I totally can understand why people would yeah because the thought of it happening again is so awful and terrifying and it was yeah. for us that you'd do anything to not ha- have that happen yeah but the way I felt and the way Matt felt was that we wanted to give this new baby also the opportunity to not have any of those things and to have the breastfeeding and the right and the, a mum that wasn't drugged up if if we could at all help it. Yeah. So we were like, well, look, what we'll do is we'll set up a cast iron plan. If stuff starts going punky and we'll both know about it, we will just like click everything into place and medicate me. I'll take anything yeah. straight away. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so we did that. And incredibly, I mean, bearing in mind, it was probably 50-50 nothing happened oh. apart from joy and love like after she'd had the baby you sort of like kind of absolutely sort of on edge of like do you know what um when after we'd had roxy uh we we drove in the car from from the hospital we drove we were both quite hungry it was something ridiculous in the morning it was like three in the morning or something like that and so we drove we drove to the 24-hour mcdonald's and got some chicken nuggets or whatever and then drove home and Roxy was asleep and Jess looked at me and she said, I'm knackered, I'm going to bed. And I just thought, oh, there you go, that's different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and somehow at that point, I <laughs> retrospectively, heroically knew that it was going to be okay. <laughs> that, that was the feeling that I actually had, you know. Because that was definitely not how it was last time. Right. The the idea of going, ah, oh, do you know what I need more than anything else? Sleep. That was something that did not happen the first time. No, no. Um, so it, 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 it felt completely different from, from the moment that we got home, really. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, so they went on to have another baby. That's yeah. fantastic news. I'm so pleased that Jess didn't get it again. Yes, and I met Roxy when I went into them, and she's almost two now, their, their second child. Okay. Um, it was really interesting, that decision to have another baby. But it seemed that there were several layers to the decision. Yeah, kind of a good layer of bugger it, which, you know, definitely stands behind many of the best decisions. But they also had a really good backup of, you know, if it happens again, then we need to plan for what we'll do. So, you know, that was good. Yes, their decision making has urged us into looking at decision making as a concept hasn't it Susie? it has indeed yeah so let's do what we do best and go off subject and have a chat about decision making okay. go off at a complete tangent here i go so okay. almost every decision we make like basically entails predicting the future and in each case we imagine how the outcomes of our choices will make us feel okay <laughs> but the only problem is that we're not really very good at doing this are we so what advice would you have for someone who struggles to see how the future might pan out you know depending on different decisions okay so you know if you haven't got a crystal ball then rather than looking inwards and imagining how a given outcome might make you feel I think probably the best thing is to try and find someone who has made the same decision or choice and see how they felt okay So whether it's moving to a new area, taking on a new job, getting a divorce, it might be worth talking to those who have been through it rather than just imagining how you think you will feel after making the decision. Remember also that whatever the future holds, it will probably hurt or please you less than you would imagine. That's been proven. Oh, it's been proven by scientists in white coats. Then It, it must, must be, be absolutely. But I do genuinely, I do think that's so true. I always think that making a decision is better than not making one. You know, I think not making a decision can actually be quite unsettling. It's almost as though you're saying to yourself that you don't have the capacity to decide or that you won't be able to manage the consequences. And it's, it's always quite undermining, I think. So I reckon it's good to do, you know, whatever needs to be done and then make the decision, believing that you'll be able to cope come what may. And at least I suppose it moves things forwards in some way. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's nothing worse than living in limbo, is there? Yeah, Because you can't make a decision. Absolutely. Um, Another part of decision making that I find quite interesting is this idea that sometimes you feel as though you're so far into something that you can't go back. Um, do you think that 
you know, perhaps sometimes we make bad decisions because we feel we've already invested so much. And, and so we feel that, you know, we just can't reverse that decision because we're so far down the line with something. Yeah, I mean, I think so many tragic decisions have been made like this and so okay. many monetary ones have. I mean, the thing that I think of when you say that is like the back of my wardrobe and there lurks like so many ill-fitting and outdated clothes that I I've spent a fortune them. on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Most of you have seen them when I've been recording. At least they're doing something. They're softening the yeah, noise. Yeah, that's <laughs> A new lease of life. Exactly. A, a soundproofing. A soundproofing. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, you know, yeah, there's clothes that you can't bring yourself to throw away because you've spent so bloody much money on them, but they don't fit or they don't look good anymore. Yeah, I think it's called the sunk cost fallacy. I've heard of this one. Mm, and I think, you know, it's a good, well, you know, I'd like to do a bit of reading, just a little bit. Might sometimes, you know, be a good idea, though, to remind yourself that the past is the past and, you know, that money that you spent has already been spent. We obviously all hate to make a loss, but sometimes the wise option is just to stop throwing good money after bad. And there's a question that you can ask yourself, you know, where you think if at the time of considering whether to end a project, you wouldn't initiate it, then perhaps it's not a good idea to continue with that project. Are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> is the backstory over? <laughs> My own subtle way of breaking it to yeah, you gently. live on, what's it? <laughs> um, okay, so this brings us on to um, when there's too many options. This is this is something that I find when I go to the pub. Um, every and, day. Yeah, exactly, for lunch, every day. <laughs> um, and no, when you're sort of, you look at the pub menu and you're just like, oh my God, this is like thousands page of Page after page. Page after page. After page. page. Like, I only Matt. need five options. I only I need five. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. Overchoice. This is an absolute pet hate of mine. We always assume that more choice is a good thing. And I just don't think it is. I think more choice is utterly baffling. Yeah, there was an episode of The Simpsons where they went to Monstro Mart, where their slogan um, was shopping is a baffling ordeal. <laughs> <laughs> and there was this like endless array of choices. And this has been found to be true in the real world as well, because Tesco made some big changes um, following an analysis that showed that they had 28 ketchups on, oh uh, on offer. Who and, needs 28, you well, know, yeah. the choice of different... And Aldi only offered one. Um, okay. And again, Tesco's had like 220 different kinds of air freshener, that, oh, you God. know. And I think the trouble is also online shopping only makes that worse because it's not like it's even using shelf space up, is it? No, you absolutely. Know? Just pile um, on the choice. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, uh, these this level of choice is you know, is known to be too confusing and can lead to paralysis. Yeah, you just spend so much time weighing up the alternatives that in the end, I think sometimes you end up doing nothing. Um, and also more choice kind of increases the chances, you know, in your mind perhaps that you might make a mistake. So you can end up feeling less satisfied with your choice because there's always that niggling fear, isn't there, that, you know, you've missed a better opportunity. You've you've missed choosing the one ketchup that would have been, you know, the most amazing ketchup in the world. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I'm faced with this on a daily basis with, uh, you know, two young children and um, they're a good illustration of the fact that don't give them too much choice, you yeah. know, because like children can't make a choice from many things. They just need one or two options. And usually it's only one for me. Yeah. <laughs> My way or the highway. Exactly. It's fish fingers or nothing. So there we go. <laughs> fish fingers or early bed. Yeah. Well, that was good. You know, it's nice to have a good kind of meaty discussion every once in a while. Okay, Claire, moving on to our podcast recommendation this week. 
Yes. Um, podcast this week is more of a podcast episode recommendation rather than series. Okay. Um, it's from This American Life, which, of course, is a titan of the it podcast is. world. We all bow down before it. But, you know, even with This American Life, I think there are some episodes that are better than others, perhaps. Exactly. So I do think it's really useful to have an episode recommendation every so often just to get you back into you know, a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so here it is. I think that Rom-Com um, was a particularly good um, episode and Act 4, You Had Me at Hello is um, is a great part. Yeah, because it. it's always broken down into four acts, isn't it? Exactly. Okay. I like um, This American Life had this thing, I think, on their app where they have favourite episodes chosen by their different contributors, which I think is a really lovely idea. So we would love to hear your favourite episodes of The Backstory or any other podcast. We can't afford the app. But we can't afford the app, no. But we so just want your just, Yeah, just, just let yeah. us know. <laughs> we'll put anything that you send in, we'll put out on social media as well. So this is our favourite episodes shout out. Let's, let's share because it's a really good way to get into new podcasts, you know, by being recommended a particular episode and why you like it. Exactly. So this episode of, of This American Life, why did you like that in particular, Claire? Well, You Had Me at Hello, which is the section I was talking about, is about a date and it's about love and it's oh. about loads, it has loads of twists and turns. It's a real great plot. I won't spoil it for you, but it's a slice of audio gold. Okay, just an old romantic at heart, aren't you? Which brings us on to our Christmas giveaway. Drum roll, please. <laughs> I think we can all agree this is a pretty huge announcement. So if you're standing or operating heavy machinery, then we would ask you to sit down because really this is fairly massive news. We will be giving away a pair of lovely headphones, some books, chocolate, and wait for it, a very prized backstory mug with a new logo on it absolutely yeah yeah only six of these bad boys exist anywhere in the world so you know we are talking family heirloom status here we'll be putting this out across our facebook instagram and twitter to take part just make sure you're subscribed to the backstory and like and share our post and we'll announce the winner shortly before christmas as ever thanks for listening we're back next week with a brand new backstory from terry Terry was diagnosed a few years ago with Parkinson's disease and he'll be telling us how it was to get his diagnosis and how his life and the lives of those around him have changed since then. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We are The Backstory Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at The Backstory Pod on Twitter. Search for The Backstory with Claire and Susie in your podcast directory. For sponsorship opportunities, or if you'd like to take part in a show, please contact hello at thebackstorypodcast.co.uk. The Backstory Podcast is produced by Tin Shared Productions. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.